Beginning in 1994, flying high and crashing in a majestic dive in 1997, the UK passed through a cultural moment as distinct and as celebrated as any since World War II. Founded on rock music, celebrity, boom-time economics, and fleeting political optimism, it was the coming of age of cool Britannia. Records sold in their millions, a new celebrity elite of lads emerged, and Tony Blair's Labor Party found itself, at long last, returned to government. And through it all, amazingly, was a proper British music culture taking the message to the masses. It was the era of Britpop. Crystal words that hang so fine, no one stop us falling. Pulling faster all the time, powerless to warnings. If you feel the hand of God, can you guide it, holy man? But you are only flesh and blood, waiting to for judgment. Still saying, Daddy, don't weep, Mama, don't cry. Everybody gets a time. Don't be sad, don't be blue. May I do the same for you? Father and a son, and words to ease them. 
Suddenly, at the dawning of the 1990s, the swaggering arrogance of mod had been updated, and overnight, a whole raft of ex-mod freak brothers, such as the Charlatans, Ocean Color Scene, and 530, were gleefully infiltrating the charts in mass. Fast forward a couple of years, three weeks before Kurt Cobain's suicide, a Fred Perry wearing blur released Girls and Boys and duly sailed into the top five. Cue Britpop Mania. Welcome to Mr. Suave's Mod Mod World. In the 1990s, the mod world was the Britpop world, and the Britpopsters of the 90s were the new mods. More casual in their style, but uh, more intense about their inherent Britishness. The Britpop scene of uh, 1994 to roughly 1997 was a sort of second coming of the mod revival. This one was uh, based less on the soul and R&B and more on the pure Britishness of being what was essentially a modern mod. Rip-pop bands brought back the importance of being British, and the music was so thoroughly British, it never did manage an invasion of the U.S. the way uh, 60s British music had. So anyway, as part of my mod essential series of modcasts, I'm exploring the Britpop phenomenon this week. Previously, I looked at the 60s mods, and then the mod revival of the late 70s and early 80s, and now it's time to turn to the 90s. You can't talk about Britpop without talking about Britpop's godfather, the genre's elder statesman, the mentor to modern mods, Paul Weller, the modfather, a moniker he earned from the Britpopsters who followed his every move. During the mod revival, Weller fronted England's most popular punk group, The Jam, and then uh, later followed that up with a decade-long fixation on soul, jazz, pop, and the style council. By the early 90s, he had uh, made the leap to solo artists with a mildly popular self-titled debut album. But it was with his second album, 1993's number two charting Wildwood, that Weller really returned to top form. Wildwood restored him to his uh, central place in the hearts and minds of British music fans worldwide and and really cemented him as the ranking member of Britpop, a genre that uh, I think surely would never have existed without him. That's why I opened the show with Weller's Can You Heal Us Holy Man? And the answer is yes. Weller, as a holy music man, uh, healed the UK's musical malaise of the early 90s and helped usher in all that followed. I got most of the leading lights of the Britpop scene, the ones that uh, were most mod-friendly anyhow, as well as some of the lesser lights from the scene coming up later in the show. But right now, let's, let's start it out in 1994. It's the year that Britpop really broke the music scene wide open. Here's the charlatans with Can't Get Out of Bed on Mr. Suave's Mod Mod World. What did it feel like, that weird pre-Britpop time when everything was very quiet? You know, I mean, it was kind of strange. I think everyone was sort of 
half looking to America and then half looking for something else, looking to sort of find their own sort of root and their own sort of identity. And we all listen to the whole sort of grunge thing and Nirvana thing, but I think that's sort of never really sat that easily with, with, with the sort of British psyche. Prepare for all the mayhem of a pop band and its glorious, swaggering ascendancy. Don't let it stand The bookies are pursing their lips, and, with scarcely a glance at the form, they're telling the punters that the only contenders are Pulp, Suede, and Blur in a Britpop three-dog race.
you live up, stand up road Listen to your sister When she came home from school Cause she was two years older And she had boys in her room Listen outside, I heard her Alright Well that was alright For a while But soon I wanted more I wanna see as well as here And so I I hid inside her wardrobe And she came home round four And she was with some kid called David And from the garage of the road I listened outside, I heard her Saw you next day. I really couldn't tell. Cause you might go and tell your mother. And so you went with me. Oh yeah, it was coming on. And I thought I heard you laughing. Where is the moment that we're gone? I listen outside. I heard you. on the totems of Britishness. They didn't necessarily sound or look like one another, but they sang in their own accents. They were quite happy to write songs about suburban lives and a very English sense of failure. And they and the people who wrote about them drew on iconography that hadn't been seen for a while. Greasy spoon cafes, high-rise estates, motorway flyovers, and most strikingly of all, the Union Jack. Sunday, Sunday. 
God's eternal. It keeps reinventing itself. Every generation gets its own little slant on it. But I'm not into any revival stuff. It was important at the time, and it was vital, and that's it. You have to move on. Paul Weller, 1993. It was no accident that as these new bands threw off the dominance of grunge, a lot of them drew inspiration from the arch-social comment that had defined some of the best British music of the 1960s. In May 1993, Blur had released a trailblazing and very British album called Modern Life is Rubbish, which didn't sell nearly as many as it deserved, but did prove to be a really influential record. Modern Life is Rubbish was where Blur decisively began writing wry, withering songs about the small details of English life. It wasn't something that anybody else was doing singing songs about uh, having Sunday lunch with, uh, you know, Wurlitzer breaks in the middle. Yeah, yeah. We just found it quite amusing, and to us it was just uh, part of our experience, part of, you know, Shangri-La by the Kinks. That was Blur with Sunday Sunday from their Breakthrough album. And uh, really the album that early on defined Britpop. That album was Modern Life is Rubbish. Blur were middle class lads who wrote songs with kinks like humor and jam like anger. 
the band grew out of the psychedelic shoegazing uh, house music styled Manchester music scene in the late 80s, early 90s, and uh, put themselves forward as the antithesis of the grunge movement early on. No flannel for blur, no long hair for blur, no ripped jeans, no angst-ridden rants about boredom, none of that. Instead, they wrote about the British life in the 90s and played a very British style of guitar rock. With the rise of the Labour Party coinciding with Britpop, it was no surprise that even the new man in 10 Downing Street, Tony Blair, was uh, singing their praises and Blur frontman Damon Alburn was visiting the Houses of Parliament. Imagine that. Where some others had notably helped the birthing of Britpop, the Charlatans, Swain, Pulp to be sure, was really a blur that brought the music into its prime with a slew of hit records like Modern Life is Rubbish, Park Life, and The Great Escape. The band notched tons of chart hits, sold upwards of 15 million records, and uh, made themselves pretty much national heroes. Right ahead of them you heard one of the stranger Britpop bands, Pulp. Uh, strange in that they formed in 1978, and so they'd been doing this whole uh, music band thing a good long time when they finally became stars by helping to put Britpop on the map. They were the sort of uh, art school snobs of the scene, seemingly more sophisticated, certainly more worldly wise, and a lot more glamish and so on. That track right there was Babies, comes from their 1994 album His and Hers. Starting that set out there was one of my personal faves of the Britpop era, the Charlatans. Charlatans were steeped in mod influences, largely thanks to the fact that founder and bass player Martin Blunt had been in one of the 80s great second wave mod revival bands, Making Time. There's 60s vibe, the whole swirling psychedelic organ thing, the power chords, all of it was uh, both retro and fresh in the way they delivered it. That song there was 1994's Can't Get Out of Bed. Great track. Okay, if you missed last week's modcast, you should uh, really go check it out. I uh, should listen to it before you listen to this one. Last week I laid the foundation for this show by showcasing Britpop's launching pad, if you will. The bands that really got it all started and, and paved the way for the groups you're hearing today. So head on over to the modcast homepage at mrswab.com and Check out that uh, show with bands like These Animal Men, The Darling Buds, Smash, and more. And if you want the track list for this show, or that show, or any show, you can get it there as well. That's MrSwab.com. Don't forget to spell out the Mr. Moving right along, it's time we take a look at perhaps the defining moment of the Britpop era. The Battle of Britpop, as it came to be known. The North versus the South, middle class versus working class. It was a, it was a pretty big music showdown built by the media, really, uh, and engaged in willingly by both bands between Blur and Oasis. Come up now on Mr. Suave's Mod Mod World. The battle two of Britain's most popular pop groups have begun the biggest chart war in 30 years. The Manchester band Oasis and their arch-rivals Blur released new singles today, each hoping to reach the number one spot next week. The music industry hasn't seen anything like it since the Beatles fought it out with the Rolling Stones in the 60s. <laughs> I know you 
It was Blur who won the race to number one, but the Oasis camp weren't at all shaken. The band's second album had been completed, and those that heard it knew that the game wasn't over.
more in tune with sort of Englishness and sort of growing up in sort of a really sort of crap suburban existence. I mean, I grew up in Ilford, sort of East London suburbs, and there was nothing to do, no, nothing to sort of really aspire to. And a lot of the songs on the album are kind of little sort of vignettes of that kind of life. 
Welcome back to the Modcast. This week with a deep look at Britpop. That was Ocean Color Scene with Better Day that you just heard. Ocean Color Scene were darlings of the Modfather, and not without good reason. Clever writing, catchy hooks, sharp sound, all of it steeped like tea in the leaves of the 60s British invasion. While they never achieved the commercial successes that Blur and Oasis did, they nevertheless had a big impact on the British music scene as a whole, and they continue to do so today. Last year, in fact, they released Saturday, maybe one of their best albums ever, and that's a good 15 years after they first burst onto the scene. Not bad. Not bad at all. Before that was Supergrass with I'd Like to Know, from their fantastic debut album, I Should Coco. Supergrass were an early favorite of mine. Over the years, I've grown more and more fond of Oasis and Blur, but uh, originally, my Britpop favorites were Supergrass. They had a spikiness to them that seemed to be lacking from some of the others, and they also had a sort of happy-go-lucky demeanor that was quite charming. And it didn't hurt that they were sitting on the sidelines, so to speak, for that uh, big battle of Britpop. These days, you can enjoy Supergrass, uh, as they're currently known as the Hot Rats. At least uh, two-thirds of them are in the Hot Rats. Maybe the best cover band I've ever encountered. They simply own the songs they cover, changing them in a way uh, as to really and truly make them their own. When you hear the Hot Rats cover the Pistols, the Cure, or whoever, you forget that it's a cover. They're just that good. And they used to be Supergrass. Go figure. So that brings us to the beginning of that set which was opened by the kings of the scene, Oasis. That was Hello, the lead-off song on their phenomenal What's the Story Morning Glory. That album came out in uh, 1995. No Britpop band has embodied the 60s in their sound and style more than Oasis, with an infatuation on updating and perfecting the sound of the Beatles. I'm not exactly sure how you perfect the Beatles sound, but. Oasis certainly tries, and they weren't shy in comparing themselves to the Fab Four. Oasis helped make sure that there was a definite mod mark left on the Britpop scene. Their sound blended 60s pop with modern guitars and uh, blew a breath of fresh air across the British Isles and even into the U.S. While Oasis never reached the same stellar heights here in the U.S. as they did at home in the U.K., they did manage to put a sizable dent in the charts, especially with a little song called Wonderwall also from What's the Story, Morning Glory. And the first track on the cassette, there's four tracks on it, was Wonderwall. And I put it on, and my first reaction was like, my God, they've done it. In 1994, uh, even as Blur were kind of reigning atop the charts, Blur was getting all the awards and critical acclaim. Here came Oasis, uh, and they released a little album called Definitely Maybe. At that time, it was the fastest-selling debut album ever. While Blur had sold somewhere around, uh, I think, 12 million albums total, Oasis has sold that many for Definitely Maybe alone. And that's not even their high watermark. What's the story? Morning Glory has sold over 15 million copies itself over the years. Definitely Maybe, though, was the album that sparked the Battle of Britpop. You know I mean, the reason why we're in every page is because there's something to write about. We're playing the game, and we mean it, and we're honest, and we've got the best songs, so that's why we're in everyone's face. 
The rivalry with Blur pushed the, uh, the brothers Gallagher, Liam and Noel, to reach farther and higher and drove them to produce albums that had a uh, sophistication and seeming complexity that kind of belied their simplicity in ways that was not unlike their idols Lennon and McCartney and of course Paul Weller. With perhaps the exception of Ocean Color Scene, no other Britpop band paid as much homage or respect to Weller as Oasis. Over the years, he's appeared on their records, and they've returned the favor. The relationship between the Gallaghers and the Modfather has been a cozy one indeed. I've got some cool Britpop videos on the Modcast homepage at MrSuave.com, so don't be a stranger. Get yourself on over there and check them out. And while you're there, leave me a comment on what you think of the show. I'd be curious to know if you like this or not. Also, if you are uh, an iTunes listener, then uh, please head on over to the iTunes page of the show and uh, leave me a, a review there. I've got a link on the Modcast homepage to the Mr. Suave's Mod Mod World iTunes page, and it would be appreciated if you posted a review there. Coming up right now, here is one band that did more to infuse the uh, Britpop scene with a punk-like sound and ethos than any of the other groups. This is Elastica with Stutter. I think we do try quite hard with like generally with with artwork and videos and things to do things that don't look too 90s, that don't look too slick and to get like a title that doesn't sound too slick. Beautiful. A 
As part of Britpop band Sleeper, Louise had three top ten albums and eight top 40 singles.
openness, the way that they treated their success, that they didn't have, they weren't embarrassed by it or ashamed by it. It was like, I'm going to be a rock and roll star. I'm going to ride around in a Rolls Royce. If I make a million quid, I'm going to lie on my back and roll around in it. And they were kind of, and they were sort of the chavs of Britpop.
So you just heard menswear, the Britpop band everyone loves to poke fun at. Truth is, even if they were as manufactured as the monkeys, and uh, even less long-lived, they left behind some cool tracks. That was the very poppy We Love You. Menswear got a lot of ink before they even never played a show. They became sort of the poster boys for the mid-90s mod revival with their uh, suits, making them look a lot like Secret Affair and stuff. And they got their picture in every music magazine across the UK, it seems like, right alongside Blur and Oasis. And then they played their first show and finally released some songs. And they were sort of darlings for a moment, but that passed pretty quickly and uh, it was truthfully pretty second tier to the big boys who were battling it out at the top of the charts. If the fans love to hate menswear, the critics of the day love to hate Thurman. That was She's a Man, you heard there. That was the leading track from Thurman's only full-length release. The guys were really raked over the coals in the media, allegedly for having been a heavy metal band that suddenly became a Britpop band. Well, thank God, it produced a fucking good record, in my opinion. Excuse my French. Remember the truth? Mod Revival Band of the early 80s? They went the other way and became a very horrible-sounding metal band later on. At least Thurman found a sound that worked with the whole Britpop thing, thank heavens. Really, it's a, a delicious album they put out, so don't believe the hype and take a listen if you have a chance. Britpop was not without its leading ladies. Before menswear, I played Sweeper's Swallow, which comes from their stunning 1995 album Smart. The band only turned out uh, three albums, Smart, The It Girl, and Pleased to Meet You, but all were top ten hits and uh, chock full of fantastic songs a few of which made decent runs at the top of the charts. They had, uh, I think, eight top 40 hits in just two years. Pretty damn good. Sleeper was fronted by the sexy Louise Wiener, who was Britpop's leading female, or at least co-female leader, alongside of uh, Elastica's Justine Freshman. Speaking of which, that was Elastica with Stutter that got things going there. As Freshman had uh, done a brief in one of the bands that got it all going, Suede, before taking off and forming Elastica. Elastica were more punk than pop. They were kind of all rough edges and hard lines, and their songs were short and sharp. And I always had the sense that any girl in that band would uh, kick the ass of any Britpop guy who got in their way. They were Britpop bitches through and through, and uh, I for one loved them for it. What had started out as contempt the commercial mainstream, a sort of mocking of the celebrity and middle-class culture, grew into an embrace of all those same things. In the beginning, Britpop's bands had looked to the Kinks and the Beatles to kind of carve out a propensity for British identity, and part as a reaction to the sweeping influence of Seattle's grunge scene. In the end, they couldn't escape the corrupting influence of their own success. Eventually, most of them repeated the rock cliches of all those years, drugs, egotism, and bitter infighting. That would become Britpop's undoing. Looks like time is running out. The uh, Britpop scene produced so much good music from so many good bands that I could do a dozen shows like this one. It was fun. It was a great time for mod-flavored music, to be sure, back then. So I'm going to leave you here with uh, 
one of the scene's lesser lights. A more pure power pop sound than a lot of the other bands, maybe. This is Dodgy with Staying Out for the Summer. I'm Mr. Suave. Thanks for listening. At the time, it all seemed pretty thrilling. But what were rock stars doing partying it up with the government? If everyone in the country was a Britpop fan, including the Prime Minister, what did it mean anymore? Was that? Well, I was so embarrassed once I'd done it, and everyone seemed so unimpressed. <laughs> <laughs> I sort of just um, crawled off stage. <laughs> 